Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Ward with uh, Altius Building Company and on today's podcast of Behind Closed Boards, uh, we have five questions with an old friend of mine, uh, Joe Tomei of Brocadia. Uh, Brocadia is a commercial real estate lender with an office here in Milwaukee as well as uh, nationwide. Joe, thank you very much for making some time to join us today. Well, thank you for having me uh, very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's very warm outside today, so I'm happy to be sitting in an air-conditioned spot and chit-chatting about commercial real estate. Joe has a, a wealth of experience on all sides of real estate. He's uh, worked in commercial real estate since 1990 on various fronts, on the ownership side, on equity raises, uh, as a uh, project, as a property manager, and uh, now as a commercial lender. So, Joe, you, you have a, a wealth of experience that we wanted to draw from. Especially given the, the turbulent times that we're in right now, a lot of people are, are concerned about increasing interest rates, uh, inflation, you know, the, the uncertainty um, that is, is causing a lot of people to wonder if they should move forward uh, with their projects. Um, tell me a little bit of what you're seeing and how are people responding to it? Sure, this is a great question, and we should probably point out for listeners that we're recording this on um, July 19th of 2022. So we've seen uh, a couple of the Fed raise, um, raise the rate a couple of times. The last um, bump was 75 basis points, um, what, two, three weeks ago. And rumor has it there'll be another 75 basis point bump um, in the next week or two, uh, whenever their next meeting is, um, all to fight inflation. So what, what I'm seeing personally, and as I'm doing internal calls with the company, um, some, some deals are sort of at least temporarily put on hold. Um, other deals that have already been signed up, you know, maybe a refinance, those are moving ahead. Um, many sponsors are accepting the reality that with increasing interest rates, they may, may not be getting exactly the leverage that they were originally looking for, but it, real commercial real estate is, you know, you, you play the hand you're dealt, you know, and it would be great if, if interest rates were still two and a half, three percent and that every deal worked and it was super easy but that's not how life is, right? What is the reason that you're hearing that people are putting projects on hold? They're going back and sharpening up their pencils to find efficiencies and um, in how they're building something. Um, we're also in an environment of increasing construction costs. And you can probably talk a lot more accurately than I can about that. Um, and they're, you know, choosing to go in and um, work with, you know, what is the unit mix? What is the most, you know, uh, what is the most income that they can create, you know, given what the market is and what the building is? Um, there's a 200-ish unit building that I've been working with a sponsor on for a couple of months now. And they're still working through a lot of their zoning. It's fairly early on. But we've done iterations of this building that are anywhere from maybe you know, 185, 190 units to 220 units. 
and mixing up the unit mix of um, uh, efficiencies, ones and two bedrooms within the building, all sorts of different ways to try and find the best NOI for the best loan proceeds. So it's really, you know, when, when people use, you know, the fairly trite sharpening the pencils, that's exactly what is really going on. They're, they're going back and looking at it and figuring out how they can come up with the best loan proceeds and the best deal that will work again in a turbulent time. And what asset classes do you lend to, Joe? Almost all of our lending at Bricadia is uh, multifamily, um, a great deal, you know, new construction, but certainly acquisitions and refinance. Um, we also do work, you know, there's not a whole lot of activity at this point in time with office. We do some industrial lending. Um, we lend on storage. We do not lend on land. Um, we have a great affordable housing program, um, if anybody works in that space. And anything from acquisition financing to you know, low-income housing tax credits, um, refi, cash out refis to do rehab with, um, and a great affordable bridge line too, that if someone needs to acquire a building before they find their permanent financing home for it, we have ways to deal with that too. One of the things I saw earlier this week was that um, compared to other investment classes, um, a lot of real estate uh, is uh, is a hedge against inflation. So uh, the numbers that just came out earlier this month of 9.1% uh, inflation, uh, Marcus and Milichap showed that the majority of that is um, gas and oil, that actually commodities prices are, are starting to come down. And they go on to say, um, Lumber, just since January, they said lumber came down 49%. Um, steel mm -hmm. came down 41%. Uh, they said copper was down 33%. So a lot of these core inflation numbers are, are starting to come back down. Do you think that that, that is going to, to tip things back in the direction of uh, people putting their, their projects back online? Or do you think they're going to take a, uh, a wait and see approach? So <clears throat> I am not an economist. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mortgage banker. So my, my answer is, is I sure hope so that people get, you know, resume the activity and that picks up the pace that it did. Um, eventually it will, you know, the, the kind of pressures and, you know, the wind at the back um, for developers and people that need a place to live and everything else. You know, and, and every market, real estate or not, you know, it has its hot seasons and its cooler seasons, you know, and, and based on conditions right now, you know, um, some aspects of commercial real estate, and, and I don't want to say that they've stopped because that isn't true. You know, are they slowing down a little bit? And it's also very, it's very market driven. Um, the comments that I make, you know, about what's going on, say in Milwaukee or Madison or broadly Wisconsin, you know, for example, if I was down in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, I probably wouldn't be making those same comments. If I was down in Miami, you know, if I was in New York, some of those other places, every real estate market has its, you know, very distinct differences. Um, you know, so. 
you know, will it will it pick up and accelerate again? Yeah, absolutely. As as things, you, one of the hardest things for anybody to deal with is unpredictability, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't know how to price out your building because you don't know if your two by four is eight dollars or sixteen dollars, you've got a real problem. Yeah. You know. Um. Since the uh, the name of the episode is Five Questions with, uh, I've probably asked you more than five already. Uh, next question for you, Joe. Um, what cool developments is Bercadia working on? So I'm going to take this in a direction that people might not expect, because when you use the word development, they're probably thinking about a building. Um, and I'm going to go to, Bercadia has flat out probably the, the coolest and best commercial real estate database that there is for any commercial real estate lender, right? And inside it's referred to as um, Pixis apps. The data that goes into a database is key in what comes out of that database. The database is fed with anything from uh, US census data to anonymous building and resident data from uh, both Yardi and RealPage, um, a you know, and a couple of dozen other sources that get integrated into the various apps. So, and then also as you're talking about you know acquisitions and sales and cap rates and things like that. I can jump into Pixis apps, and if someone is saying, "Hey, what is the market like?" you know, in Waukesha County, you know, to pick something near and dear to, to our hearts here in Wisconsin, you know, and I can, I can dive in there and I can tell you all sorts of things about employment, how risky it might be, you know, what is the wallet share of the, of the tenants that are renting in there, you know, how much of, how much of their wallet are they spending on their housing costs? Is it 25% or is it, you know, 32%? Is there room for a rent raise? within that scenario or is it just that uh, you might have a lower incidence of non-payment of rent because people aren't spending so much of their money on their rent things like that um, you know demographics is an area aging or is it getting younger as people move in and out of an area is a population growing um, is it stable or is it declining you know, and maybe what are the reasons behind that? All of those kinds of things, you know, you would pay to, you know, have a market study, you know, you'd have hopefully your own sense of what's going on, your local experts and stuff like that. Um, and even, you know, working with people locally here in Wisconsin, I've used the, our database to inform people about all sorts of things, you know, from cap rates and again, demographics and anything else. Um, and imagine how valuable that is <clears throat> if I'm working from with somebody from the coast, for example, that might be investing in Milwaukee. Or alternatively, if I'm working someone with someone here who wants to buy something in, you know, uh, Phoenix or Dallas or Seattle or whatever, I can gain all sorts of insights by going into that database and pulling out real-time data. Um, and we don't sell access to it. Bercadia doesn't sell access to it. You get the benefit. Clients get the benefit of it by doing loans with us. Interesting. So it's, it's really a way for Bercadia to differentiate yourselves in the marketplace. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. Higher yep. level analytics to back up uh, your assumptions. 
Absolutely. In these turbulent times, going back to our, our first uh, part of the conversation, is there anything within commercial real estate that excites you right now? Where do you see opportunities now? Um, well, certainly multifamily. Yeah. You know, there's any any article, you know, and you'll see this stuff pop up on your news feed and every place else. Um, anything multifamily, there's a shortage of it. The quality um, and market rate and affordable. Um, those are all, they're great. It's a great field to be in, you know, and, and ultimately um, very fulfilling too. When you're providing, you know, clean, safe, sanitary housing for someone, you know, you're helping someone create a life for themselves that can be really good. Because if you don't have clean, safe, sanitary housing, you can't get to the good things in life. You can't get to good mental health. You can't get to good education. You can't get to really good jobs and all the rest of it. So it's to me, it's it's just a foundational thing for people, regardless of you know who you are, or where you are, that you know making sure that the housing supply is adequate and clean, safe, and sanitary. Um, is a critically important thing for humanity. Yeah, the, the housing first model uh, that uh, mm -hmm. we uh, were familiar with uh, from a previous uh, work experience, but that uh, the, the Milwaukee County has uh, implemented. I saw a article just a, a few months ago that uh, Milwaukee effectively reached zero homelessness. Um, mm -hmm. That uh, that is something you know we should we should be proud of and uh, a model to to be replicated uh, around the country. But you know goes directly to what you're saying. Once once someone's housing need is taken care of, then other needs can be addressed. Um, but it starts with housing first. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And it you know and it kind of it tears my heart a little bit too when I read articles. You know, and we're also in you know, late July here, we're currently in a heat wave. And I saw an article and there's ultimately nothing I can do about this, but a substantial number of people have been sort of pushed out into, I believe it's the Mojave Desert, um, outside of Los Angeles, you know, and imagine how hot it is there right now, what, you know, 105, 110, maybe more, and no running water, no nice apartment buildings, no air conditioning, stuff like that. And that's just, you know, there's a hundred, hundred other examples that either one of us could come up with. So, you know, again, ensuring that that supply of housing is there and a market rate and affordable. And, you know, as market rate stuff, you know, when it's brand new, it's class A, that's great. And then through time it ages becomes class B and maybe class C and it depends on how much money the sponsor wants to put back into it, you know, to make it nice again and keep up with the rents, but in ensuring that that supply of housing um, continues to exist again, to me, it's just a, it's the foundational critical thing for humanity. Uh, Going to pivot to another uh, question. So with uh, new talent uh, entering the, the field, um, Nationwide, there's a, a crisis for for labor, uh, for workers. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to someone entering the CRE industry now? There'd be several things. <clears throat> the, the first is um, 
get good at and take advantage of every networking opportunity that you possibly can. Um, doing podcasts with old friends <laughs> would be one of them. Uh, net networking events with local real estate groups, whatever those local re real estate groups happen to be. Um, the, you know, even if you don't like to golf, you know what, learn how to golf, get out on the golf course with people. I'm working on it's it. Also, it's also important. You know, if, if you can, uh, an old uh, insurance friend of mine um, had a monthly meeting with a half a dozen other insurance people where they would just sit down and get coffee and talk about it. It was a very informal thing. There were no dues or anything, but what a great little networking thing for them to do within what their little, what their job was as insurance providers for multifamily housing. So net, networking, um, whatever you want to work in, uh, my next bit of advice is get, get an education, get certifications. Whether you become a certified property manager or accredited residential manager or a CCIM or, you know, whatever it is, go out and get those certifications. Um, education never hurt anybody. And it also, again, it, it makes you part of an organization where you are networking and talking to people. Um, for, for me personally, the hardest thing about COVID, you know, and especially in, you know, 2020 for the year, first year or so was all the face-to-face -face networking just coming to a crashing halt, you know, and even now, and I, you know, take precautions, but we've seen each other at, at events and I try to go to as many events as I can, cause you need to see people, you need to shake their hand, you need to talk to them, you need to catch up with them and all the rest of it. So certifications, education, and absolutely networking. Um, I, I know you've seen uh, you've seen some pretty uh, wild things as a as a property manager. Um, <laughs> I know uh, sometimes uh, we get together and go go for runs. Uh, any of those stories uh, you'd be willing to to share with us? Some of the uh, uh, more adventurous things you've seen in uh, property management. Oh boy. <laughs> so many, boy, uh, many years ago, I spent um, several years and I worked for a private company, um, but we had a, uh, we had a contract, we had an agreement with the city of Milwaukee and uh, the city at that time had a very aggressive um, nuisance housing program and nuisance housing Fundamentally, what it meant is either there was a lot of drug sales or a lot of prostitution or a lot of both. Right. Okay. So I've, I've joked off and on about I've managed some of the worst property that the city of Milwaukee has to offer. Um, and that's very true. Um, and without, without mentioning names, <laughs> one large story, um, there was a man and he had, uh, uh, through circumstances, he had come into about a half million dollars and in the, this would have been in the mid nineties, maybe. And he bought about four or 500 units of housing on the Northwest side of Milwaukee. And none of them were bad buildings and none of them were particularly terrible neighborhoods, but he made a critical ownership mistake where he decided he was going to be 
the property manager, the maintenance guy, he was going to cut the grass, he was going to plow the snow, he was going to install a car, because he could do all this stuff, right? And you talk about burnout and bad decisions, and all the guy ever had to do was turn over the property that he bought to a company prop, competent property management company. He could have sat on a beach in Hawaii the rest of his life. And he lost everything. Oh, no. <laughs> everything. His <laughs> wife, his family. His oh, family. no, really everything. Every building, everything <laughs> gone. The hubris of believing we can each do it better than anybody else. Yeah. And that was, I, I spent a lot of time <clears throat> talking with and working with banks about real estate owned and helping them move through the foreclosure process and stabilizing the properties as we went through it, um, as we went through the process. And uh, without, uh, again, without naming names, that was, um, it was an interesting experience. I'll say that. <laughs> I bet. Um, so last, last question for you. Um, uh, what would someone catch you doing on your day off? Um, they would catch me ignoring my computer and ignoring my emails because there's a time and place for that, unless it's something really critical. They would find me exercising. Um, I like to run. Uh, I like to bicycle, do a little bit of weightlifting. Um, lately, for the last four or five months, my daughter and I have been going to, uh, to a workout club on weekends um, and getting in some cardio and weightlifting, things like that. And lately, I've been spending some time I'm doing some restoration work on a 20-year-old boat that I have. Oh, cool. That's a fun project. Getting that cleaned up and repaired and getting everything to work right so it doesn't sink and it goes fast. <laughs> Well, that, not sinking is uh, is an important first step for a boat. Big <laughs> deal. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we always have a good time when we get together. Um, please stay tuned for future uh, episodes of Five Questions with the Valdez Building Company on uh, future podcasts. And feel free to check us out online on our website, altiusbuildingco.com. Again, Joe, thanks a lot, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Thank you for having me.